Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Well, Happy New Year 2023. Today is New Year's Day. We have a special message for you, though you're joining us online. Still got my Christmas jumper on. I reckon for New Year's Day, I could still do this. In my personal Bible readings, I've been reading from the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is a beautiful book. It's a complicated book in many ways, but it's full of judgment and amazing mercy. There's a lot of talk of righteousness or unrighteousness and of justice. It's both frightening and comforting all at the same time. But if it's about one thing, it's about hope. Hope. It has always been God's intention that his people should be a channel through which his blessing would flow out to the world. And the book of Isaiah brings that into clarity. The key, of course, is the work of the servant, the suffering servant, who is a a covenant for the people of God and a gift as a light to the Gentiles. So the whole world is going to be blessed through this suffering servant. And of course, the people of God are meant to then be a blessing to the world beyond. There's this great call to come, come to him, all those who are weary, come and eat and drink and buy food without money by faith so as their lives will be changed, but then they're sent out with that great message of hope and redemption. And I want to read to you what is definitely a highlight in the book of Isaiah. There are many, but this one is a beautiful passage, maybe one of the most hope-filled passage we'll ever read in the Bible. It's the same passage that Jesus reads from on the day when he goes to a synagogue in Nazareth, his hometown, and begins to read, which is launching his ministry. He's telling them this is his mission. It's Isaiah 61. And honestly, I believe Isaiah 61 is a key passage for the church in this season and for us here at C3 in 2023. Let me read it to you. This is Isaiah 61, 1 to 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, that's jubilee, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness or a faint spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. As I mentioned, many of you know that Jesus takes this passage in Luke chapter 4, The Isaiah passage is announcing what's to come. And then Jesus very clearly, without any ambiguity, makes it clear that passage written 750 years before he he came, before Jesus came, applies to him. He left no ambiguity. Let me read this to you from Luke 4, verse 20. 
Then he rolled up the scrolls. We just read this to them, although he left one part out, and I'll mention that later. And he gave it back to the attendants and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. So when a, a rabbi sits down, he means he's about to start teaching. And he spoke with authority and he began this and said this to them. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Everyone in the house would have known that this passage was talking about the promised Messiah. And then Jesus, he doesn't leave them in any kind of fog or confusion. He says, this is the fulfillment. He's basically saying, the Messiah, it's moi. Here I am. Here I am too. I'm the one who will bring justice. I'm the one who's going to set you free from your oppressors. I'm the one. It's me. And we know they knew what he was saying because later in the passage you read, they tried to throw him over a cliff. They knew what he was saying. They thought it was blasphemy. He was the heaven-sent deliverer. This is the anointed one. So this is the mission that Jesus came to fulfill. Basically, Luke 4, he's saying, this is my mission. This is what I'm here for. This is the mission of God, which, of course, is our, the church's mission too. Let's be clear, though. God has chosen to use his church to bring about this mission, but we're not the originators of the mission. God is. He has a mission which is being fulfilled even as we speak. And I love this phrase. I don't know where it originates from. It has some complications with it as well that raise questions. But for today, it's, it's just I just want us to hear it. Someone once said, the church does not have a mission. The mission has a church. That's so good. The church does not have a mission. The mission has a church. And we, the church, the people of God, are now God's primary agents for the advance of this Christ-centered mission, this Messiah-centered, this suffering servant-centered mission. So wherever we go, we're on mission. And let's just be careful on this. We're not talking about just when we have services, though services should be missional. We mean wherever we go as salt and light into the whole world, every sphere, wherever you are, you are on mission. And in this passage with Isaiah, from Isaiah that we read and then Jesus repeating it again in Luke 4, we hear very clearly what the Messiah and thus us was called to do and is called to do in the world. We're to bring good news to the poor. Let me be crystal clear. The poor there are not just the spiritually poor, though it includes that because we know Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. So it includes that. But it means those in poverty physically as well. This gospel is good news for people who are in poverty. He's come to bind up the brokenhearted. He's come to proclaim liberty to the captives, to release prisoners from their captivities. This is the work of the gospel. And I honestly believe our risen Lord is advancing this cause, this mission, in the world today more powerfully than ever before. And you say, surely not. It's not just rhetoric. No, no, no. Some of you might say, have, have you not read the latest statistics of the 2021 census? Yes, I have. In fact, I'm going to read some of it to you so as you know exactly what it says. And then let me put it in context. 
because these are the latest statistics concerning Christianity in the UK. This is a report, this is from The Guardian, so we know it must be true. Census 2021, they write, will probably be remembered as the one in which Christianity became a minority religion in England and Wales. So now we can say officially, according to the statistics, we are not a Christian nation. On Census Day 21st of March 2021, 46.2% of people identified themselves as Christians, compared with 59.3% of the population in the 2011 census, a 13 percentage point drop in a decade. A key finding from the census helps to explain this, the significant rise in people identifying as of no particular faith at all. The number of people identifying as Christian dropped by 5.5 million in the past decade. Now, don't get me wrong, that's sad to read that. It's sad. But let's place this in a global context. Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And the whole earth will be filled with his glory, not just the British Isles or the UK. God's intention is for the whole world. And I've got an article here by Aaron Wells, or Aaron Ells, E-A-R-L-S, from Lifeway Research. Google it, look it up, because it will encourage you. And he gives seven reasons of note why in 2022 there is good news. This is what he describes as a status of global Christianity report, which came out of the Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary well-researched, and, and I'm going to read just four of the points that is good news in our world today. Number one, religious faith is growing faster than irreligious. So we just heard the statistics of how much of a drop of those who won't identify in the UK as Christian any law, but religious faith is growing faster than irreligious. Particularly in the West, he writes, it can seem like secularism is growing and people are leaving the church in faith. Globally, that's not the case at all. While the number of all religious people is growing at a 1.27% rate, the growth of non-religious people is less than half that, a 0.52, well below the total population growth percentage. There are fewer atheists around in the world today, 147 million, than in 1970. And the Gordon Conwell Report expects the number to continue to decline into 2050. So people still in the globally are considering that they're growing to be religious or spiritual, which is good for us in talking to people. Even those that say they're not Christian anymore, many of them still say they have realised there's a spiritual element to them. So we can connect them to that spiritual element, which is God. Number two, Christianity continues to grow oh yes it does globally not only is religion growing overall but christianity specifically is growing while with a 1.17 growth rate almost 2.56 billion people will identify as christians at the start of 2023 by 2050 that number is expected to top 3.3 billion and the dramatic global growth for charismatic Pentecostal Christians is particularly of note. So that's us, those who believe in the presence and dynamic of the Holy Spirit working in us. In 1900, 
Less than one million people in the world identified as Pentecostal or charismatic. By 2050, that number will top one billion of us. Did I hear a hallelujah? Number three, he writes, growth is fastest in the global south. So South America, Asia, Africa, the growth is the fastest there. Africa is growing, Christianity in Africa is growing at a rate of 2.77% and in Asia, 1.5%. In 2000, sorry for all these figures, but this is just to tell us this is good news. 840 million Christians lived in Europe and North America, while 660 million Christians called African and Asia, Africa and Asia home. This year, 803, 838 million live in the global north, while almost 1.1 billion Christians live in Africa and Asia alone. In 1900, twice as many Christians lived in Europe than in the rest of the world. Today, more Christians live in Africa than any other continent. And by 2050, Africa will be home to almost 1.3 billion Christians. Latin America, 686 million Christians. Asia, 560 million Christians. We'll both have more than Europe, which will be 497 million, and North America, which will be 276 million. Just hear it again. Christianity, this good news that's found in the suffering servant, in the Christ, in the Messiah, the anointed one, is growing. One last statistic. There's lots more he talks about. But this one, uh, number four, more than 90 million Bibles will be printed this year. We love the word of God. We're spirit and word. We're glad Pentecostal charismatics are growing, but we must be rooted in the Bible. And we thank God that in this year, as Christianity grows, the printing of Bibles continues to grow along with it. This year, 93 million copies of God's word will be printed, up from 54 million in 2000 and 5 million in 1900. By 2025, 100 million Bibles will be printed each year. Currently, almost 1.8 billion Bibles are in circulation around the world, and this will climb to 2.3 billion by 2050. The translation of Scripture, one, one thing we use here at C3 is version that gives into helping the translation of Scripture into every language across the globe. It's continuing to grow at a pace. pace. In other words... There is great hope. Isaiah 61, Luke chapter 4, fill us. These, these are sacred passages. They fill us with hope. This is authoritative. It's beautiful. It will triumph. The gospel is the only cause on the face of the earth that will finally succeed. Every other cause is doomed to extinction. Now, we'll make mistakes in seeing that advance. We know there's bad news about certain parts of the church. We're not saying it's perfect as we take this gospel. But Jesus will continue to advance his mission and to build his church across the globe. Now, in Luke chapter 4, I mentioned I, I would refer to this. Jesus did miss out one phrase. And all scholars point to this. So he reads Isaiah 61, but he leaves a bit out. And he leaves the part out in verse 2 that it, where it talks about, and the day of vengeance of our God. Why, why does he leave that out? Because in Isaiah, Isaiah is pointing to the full, complete mission of the Messiah. 
when he would come and when he would judge the world with vengeance. So it's about his coming and we know it as his second coming. Jesus is really just talking about his ministry that he's going to do while here on the earth. And he points to the fact that it's a day of favour and he just talks of the favour. It's not that he doesn't talk about vengeance in other places, but he's announcing his mission, that same mission that has been entrusted to us. And notice in Isaiah, it talks about the year of favour. So it's looking towards a long season, but it's only one day of vengeance. So there is a day of judgment, and we believe in that. But in the meantime, until he returns, God's favour lingers. That will be an awful day. We're not pretending that that day of vengeance will not be an awful day. In Revelation 6, verse 16, it says that 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 day of wrath, people will beg the mountains and rocks to fall on them and hide them from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. So we know it will be a day of vengeance, but we're living in a season of favour until he comes. And until Jesus returns, we have this same mandate. The same spirit of the Lord is upon us. Next Sunday, we're going to be praying for individuals to be filled, maybe the first time, or filled again to fulfill this great mission. In the meantime, my suggestion to you in all that we do, let's keep it simple, saints, is we keep Christ-centered. It's all about the Messiah. It's all about the Christ. It's all about Jesus. At the same time, we protect our unity because we are to do this together. I'll point to that in a moment of the way the language changes in Isaiah 61. But we are to do this together as a community. We are on a mission together as a community. Let's protect our unity because that's why Jesus prayed for it. The one thing that will destroy our mission more than anything else is a lack of unity. And then we're to keep the mission clear. So we say in this way, we're to stay cause-driven. Christ-centered, community-focused, cause-driven. We are a community reaching our community. This is what we want to do. But let me just point to this, where it goes on to, to talk in this Isaiah passage here. It says, after the talking about broken-hearted being healed, those who are mourning, be comforted, etc., it goes on to say this, and they shall rebuild the old ruins and they shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities so the language goes from me verse one the spirit of the lord is upon me to they so basically what isaiah 61 is doing in a few short sentences is showing what the mission of jesus is and then the mission of those who will follow him the they who are the they the they are those who were once brokenhearted, those who were mourning, those who had a spirit of heaviness but they've been given new garments of praise. The they is those who've experienced some of the hardships of life but by an encounter with the Messiah, the, the, the Lord's anointed one above all his fellows, their lives have been changed. And that's you and me, ordinary people who have been entrusted with this extraordinary mission that's centred in Christ the King. Isaiah 61 is a beautiful passage. It's key for us. Just two sentences where it's all about Jesus, but we're then entrusted to rebuild ruined cities. 
Where those who, let me read it to us again, we shall raise up former desolations, repair ruined cities, desolations of many generations. This is for the people of God who are meant to be a blessing to the world. Ordinary, yet extraordinary. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 1, says it like this. The Father of mercies and God of all comfort comforts us in our pain so that we can comfort others in their pain with the comfort God has sent down to us. God does not use perfect people living ideal lives. God uses real people living real lives. And I say to us, stop waiting to serve the Lord until your life is perfect. You'll wait forever. Start now, even in your and my unpreparedness, because it's not about you. It's about his power in you. Trust him. Step out, because everyone can serve. They, the they are us. The hope of the world in the gospel of Jesus Christ has been entrusted to his people. This year, I honestly believe, is one of great opportunity. We will, come on, we can do it. We will rebuild the ancient ruins. We will restore devastated places. Let's renew ruined cities. This is changing our culture and our world wherever we go. When I hear of a mission like that, I think, count me in. There's good news. There's great hope. The mission of God continues and we get to play a part in it. As some of you listening may never have come to Jesus. One of the beautiful passages in Isaiah 55 is when it says, come, come all you who are hungry, come and buy food without money, come and drink from the water. So it's saying you, you buy this food by faith, you, you come by faith. And some of you may never have put your faith in Jesus Christ. You can do that today. I'm going to pray a prayer. We pray that this in all our services, that if you're watching today, contact us, put a yes, I prayed this. If we don't have your details, send us your details with a direct message on any of the platforms. Email us, use whatever way it is. Let us know, we pray, I prayed this prayer either for the first time as a recommitment and you can be part of the they. You're not perfect yet, but God's still working on you and in you as you move forward. So pray this with me and let us know if you prayed this in devotion to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this day, I give you my life. I thank you that you came and suffered for my sake. Forgive my sins. Give me a new start. I confess you, Jesus Christ, as my Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Do let us know. With the rest of us and all watching on, let's remember we have a mission we're sent. This is from God. The Spirit of the Lord is on us. And this mission continues in the world today. God bless you as you go fulfilling the mission of God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.